This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. You picking door number four and walking into something without fear is completely new to me, for example. And what does that tell you? You are different. You are our hope. You are your own hope. And you want me to pursue this path because I started it? Yes. And Leah, as amazing as she is, isn't yours. She is part of another path. So, if you can see every path, just tell me where to go and what to do in order to find Kim. Ah, there it is again. The old reflex. But maybe we could- talked enough. Good luck, sleeper. And remember, whatever happens, don't turn back. And just like that, he's gone. I'm in the car by myself. I'm staring at the empty driver's seat where the steering wheel twitches to the old tarmac. The car slowly comes to a halt in the middle of the road and I just sit there. In almost any movie, this would be the moment that a big truck hauling tree trunks would rip the silence apart jump scare style with its huge horn and then soar past, missing me by a hair. But in my story, in this timeline, silence remains. It's just me and the tiny car in the middle of the empty road. I turn to my right and I see we're back in front of the Smith property, but the B&B sign isn't up yet. There's only the main house and part of the cottage. I see Mr. Smith hauling a toolbox around. He's still working on his little guest house. And there's a lot to do before they can welcome guests. For some reason, after the creeper let me go, I slipped back into my own timeline. I went four years back to where I came from. I look at Mr. Smith working on his cottage for another minute or so. Four years from now, that elderly couple will open their B&B. Hopefully, the other version of me takes his pregnant wife, Leah, on a road trip to the city. Not for any specific reason. Not to find Kim. I'll take care of that part. I hope they go just for the road trip. Just to joke around about cucumber-flavored potato chips. I hope they make it to this B&B. And I hope they have that dinner with Mr. and Mrs. Smith. I won't. I'm back on the road. 
because that's where I'm supposed to be. I climb over the other chair and take the wheel. I drive into the forest in the general direction of Naraka City. going for about two hours, and I've seen nothing but trees. The Smith's B&B was the last sign of civilization for miles and miles, apart from the road itself. It's just tall grass and enormous oak trees for the past couple of hours. It's weird because back in the timeline with Leah, it seemed like we were closing in on the suburbs. There were lots of houses. And now, back in my own timeline, there's nothing. I can't imagine they've built all of that in only four years. Maybe I didn't just jump back and forth in time, but also through different worlds. I pulled over and got out of the car, just to take a break and be in this forest for a sec. There's an old picnic stop here. The wooden table has been almost completely eaten away by the elements. I'm sitting down on the last part that looks kind of sturdy. It's nice here. It's nice to just take a breath and be quiet. I saw a deer a second ago. It came to take a look and then ran off. That's pretty cool. Well, I am getting hungry, so this break won't take too long. I hope the next town isn't too far off. I must be heading in the general direction of civilization, because I've been hearing a train every now and then. Ha! Perfect timing. There it is again. So, there's tracks close to here. Thank God. I've been driving up a hill and I'm just above the treetops now, on a winding road, with the purple sunset all around me. When the sky started changing, I was afraid I was going to have to sleep in the car in the dark forest. But right at the crest of the hill, I can see a town. I can also see the train tracks. They go alongside the road, almost eerily close. No train has passed by yet, but I feel like the car would almost get toppled over if it did. So, I'm about 10 minutes from that town, but I've been having a hard time staying on the road. 
there's a crash train laying on its side next to the tracks. It looks like it's been here for a while. It's decaying, kind of. It's like I'm driving right by the crashed skeleton of some enormous animal. A whale, maybe. Or an elephant. Why doesn't anyone salvage this thing? I considered stopping to take a closer look at the train carts, but there's a bunch of warnings. I mean, on all the carts, there's a logo of some company. An elephant's head with the name Justice Transport. And next to almost every single logo, people have been spray painting skulls and warnings. It says poisoned and stay away and stuff like that. So even though this train looks like it's been here for years and years, I'm not getting out of my car. The town looks like an amateur military zone or something. I mean, there's a kind of barricade. They've been fortifying for some reason. And there's people standing in front of it guarding the road. These people are by no means military personnel. They're very obviously civilians. And the barricade is made up of sandbags and furniture and old cars. It's like a well-organized garbage dump. I've stopped right at the barricade. I'm not sure if it was a good idea to drive up here, but this was the one main road. I don't have a choice but to go through here. There's two men walking up to Creeper's little white car. Or my car, I guess. One of them's gesturing to me that I should unlock the trunk. They want to inspect the vehicle. What are they trying to find? The weird thing is, they're wearing gas masks. This is the first town I've seen all day, so I need to get in. I need supplies and a place to sleep before I keep going. But it doesn't look like it'll be a friendly welcome. Oh, there's another man walking up to the car now. An older one. He's saying I should get out of the car. He's also wearing a gas mask. Hello. Just looking for a place to stay and do some supply shopping. Are you with Justice Transport? I don't know what that is. I'm just trying to keep going. Tell me the truth, sir. Are you at all affiliated with Justice Transport? Sir, I swear, I have no idea what Justice Transport is. Do you have some ID on you? And some way to prove where you are currently employed? So, this guy is intense. And he smells like he hasn't showered in... ever. I thought Corvat was bad with outsiders. It looks like this place is ready for a zombie apocalypse. What is Justice? Where do you work? I show him the BBU logo on my shirt. And I tell him all about my job. And I'm getting as far away as possible from my hometown because I hated working in that place. You can go through and stay for the night. We sell supplies. But you'll have to meet with the mayor. And you'll have to get going tomorrow morning first thing. Believe me, friend. I'll be out of here as fast as possible. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, 
Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm sorry for interrupting. This is your lizard brain. I'm the part of the brain that tells you what you want most in life on a fundamental level. Well, you want to support Sleeper while he tries to leave Corvat. So what you want to do now is go to leavingcorvat.com and get some merch, spin-off adventures and behind-the-scenes episodes. Thank you very much for listening to your lizard brain and making your limbic system happy. Let's get back to the show. I'm driving my little car onto the main road, snail's pace. And there's a semicircle of wannabe soldier types with big guns and gas masks guiding me towards a place I can stay for the night. It's like trying to get into North Korea with a photo camera. I imagine. All of them, all of the men, women, and children, everyone in this town is wearing gas masks. The town itself looks normal. There's houses, and some shops, and a church, and a bunch of cars parked. There's people everywhere, minding their own business not even paying attention to my little parade. Apparently, this is normal, everyday stuff here. Me being brought in like this. We stop at a motel, and underneath the neon sign, someone wrote, Outsiders pay triple. Accept rate or sleep in the forest. Thank you. Oh, I love the thank you. So polite and inviting. They are in the hospitality business, after all. The cast from The Walking Dead point me towards the parking lot, where a makeshift gate has been installed to keep all the motel guests inside. I don't even get the chance to ask a question or change my mind at this point. The parade just kind of forces my car through the gate, and two young women appear out of nowhere and pull the gate shut behind me. Another man, a younger one, grabs my arm and guides me into the two-story building. Not sure where this one came from. Maybe he was part of my somber welcoming parade. But he looks like he's ready for a war, like the rest of them. The young man takes me away from my car and my backpack. We're walking into the motel. But this isn't a motel anymore. I see. Hello. Hi. Nice to meet you. I see armed people everywhere. There's posters everywhere. It looks this like. Way, this way. Oh, through here? Are we going in yeah, here? Right here. Okay, thank you. It looks like this is kind of a town hall or main forum or something now. I've walked into what must have been the lobby. They took out all the walls. It's one big room now, and it's a mess. People everywhere paperwork everywhere. 
and posters on every wall with the same smiling woman on them. The slogan reads, Justice Transport Must Pay, Vote Paula Ackerley. This is the most post-apocalyptic or wartime-style election headquarters I've ever seen. At the back of the room, rising above all of the chaos, sits the woman from the posters, literally on a throne. There's a makeshift podium and a big chair where Paula Ackerley sits and just watches her people work. She looks like a middle-aged soccer mom, no offense. But this soccer mom has a bunch of big rifles and what look like swords stacked up against both sides of her throne. This is, this whole scene is so confusing. A housewife warlord running for mayor or something like that. Oh, I just wanted to get some food and some water and sleep somewhere for a couple of hours. What's your business in the severed state, my lost child? I tell her I'm just trying to get to Naraka, and I need to buy some supplies and find a place to sleep. What company employs you, if any? I tell her about BBU and getting away. Marcus! Go check if Justice bought any fast food chains recently, just to make sure. An angry looking person nods and runs off. I tell her I don't even know what Justice is, but just like the guys at the barricade, she doesn't believe me. I'm guessing it's a company that did this town wrong somehow. And I'm guessing fear-mongering is a big part of how this lady sees power. But I really don't want to get involved. I just want to go to bed. So I ask her if I can get some supplies in a room. Hey! You! Give this lost child a tour of our state, please. Show him the main square. For some reason, the tour doesn't sound like a fun excursion. And the main square like a threat. A woman with a huge handgun strapped to her waist takes me back to the parking lot. A couple of guards start opening the gate for us and she tells me to stay close. We walk back onto the main street where all the normal looking people are going about their normal looking day, except for the wearing gas masks part. As we walk out, the woman also puts one on. She never offered me a mask, or explained why she wears it. The air smells normal to me. It's getting dark now, colder. The woman says we'll go to the main square. It's a three minute walk. I tell her I can't wait. As we turn a corner, I hear something in the distance. I think it's another train passing by. The woman with the big gun suddenly stands still and tells me to wait. I turn around to look at her and she's, what is she doing? She's making a kind of hand gesture. Not to me or anyone else, just like a short dance or a prayer. She's holding her elbows out and interlocking her fingers. She whispers something. I want to ask her, but then I notice that everybody behind us has also stopped walking. In fact, everybody in the entire street is standing still. 
I can hear a train coming closer, its elephantine call filling the night sky. The tracks are so close to the town's main street that the windows and all the buildings seem to be vibrating. There's dust coming off the brick walls. And as the train passes by somewhere outside of the civilian-made barricades, all the people in the street start doing that hand gesture, as if they're trying to enchant the carts. Like a wave in a sports stadium, the movement of hands flows through the street from one person to the next, following the sound of the screeching wheels on the tracks. It's quiet for a couple of seconds before everybody gets back to their day. I want to ask the woman about what just happened, but she says we should hurry to the square. There's not much time left for the tour. So, without any explanation about what's going on here, I follow her. We turn another corner and there's a small park with a couple of trees and benches. And I... The woman keeps walking, but I can't. I need to stop moving. Try to absorb what I'm seeing. To try and establish if it's real. If this is actually... If there really are people dangling from the ropes in front of me. Ten or more dead bodies just hanging there. The Middle Ages. Four floodlights pointed at the bodies. Dramatic drop shadows in the buildings surrounding the park. Shadows of the dead men and women. Their necks snapped. They're. They have. A woman asks me if I'm okay. If I'm good to continue the tour. I don't want to continue the tour at all, actually. I should find a way back to my car. Being hungry is not so bad, maybe. Sleeping in the forest is probably a hell of a lot safer than here. Whatever this place is. Hello, listeners, and welcome to Dark Heights. In a small California town, three people become the targets of an ancient evil. After a series of horrifying events, their lives collide, and if they aren't prepared, it's unlikely they'll survive. This series is perfect for fans of Twin Peaks and Sharp Objects, with a heavy dose of the supernatural. 
Dark Heights is a new show from Realm, the studio that brought you the very show you're listening to now. And it's not for the faint of heart. In the words of Den of Geek, be careful of those shadows. Dark Heights is out now and available wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to listen and follow the show for weekly episode drops.